1: Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is extra time on SENZ.
2: 7.30
1: 7.30 and you are listening to SENZ, Mark Watson with you. This is Extra Time, taking your calls on 800 150 That's 800 150 if you just did here in the red with Justin Marshall as we count down to Super Rugby. I do struggle, I've got to admit, I do struggle talking about rugby in the month of February, but the reality is that is these days the domestic calendar. So at the Crusaders Chiefs, Friday night... We've got the Waratahs, Brumbies following that game, 9.35 out of Australia. This should be an absolute beauty. Great way to kick things off. Moana Pacifica taking on the Fijian Drua. Then you've got the Highlanders Blues. Another cracking game to open the Super Rugby season with. And then the Reds Hurricanes and the Force Rebels. 800 150 You want to give me your predictions, your thoughts? Are you feeling a little anxious? Crusaders fans, Scott Robertson, is he dialed in? Are there distractions? Are there weaknesses in this Crusaders team at halfback? First game up, how important is it? Getting a victory. Getting a number on the scoreboard. Getting a W next to your name. Not having to chase from day dot. 800 You can text us here on 8833. Hi, Graham.
2: G'day, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, great um, interview and insight with Justin Marshall, that interview actually, brilliant.
1: Yeah, so much to get across and I think, well, we're going to do this every week, let's start with the coaching and then from a player point of view, let's look at halfback and next week perhaps we can look at centre, perhaps we can look at the loose forward mix um, and that's the beautiful thing. Uh, you've got an entire season, I guess, to review yeah. and preview and critique.
2: Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I agree with um, you know what he said about halfback, I, you know, um, people get a bit, you know, hysterical a bit at times about positions, like the Highlanders' position with the first eight. People go, oh, why haven't we got, you know, ten All Blacks? And, you know, time and again, you know, players come through. And, you know, Willie Hines has come back into the team, you know, via the Canterbury season last year, and he was really one of the standouts, I thought, and, you know, and he hasn't lost anything. You know, if anything, I think his experience playing for England um, you know and I forget it was a Worcester he played for or Gloucestershire <laughs> one of those things anyway but um, you know he played what seven years there but yeah I think he comes in and you know you've got obviously Brent Hall worked so brilliantly with Mitchell Drummond but and, they, and now they'll develop something else with those two as they did with Canterbury but I think also what Justin said about the um, you know about Scott Robertson I, I agree with him raises you know type of person who he sort of um, People often. Well, I remember when he first got point as Crusaders coach. People said, "Oh, you know, this and that about him when he had been with Canterbury. That you know, that you know, about focus because he's not steely eyed and you know, looks at the camera." Well, Graham. Graham. Graham
1: he, he's unorthodox and he breaks the traditional yep. mould. So people are going to judge him based on that, and that, and it's a very shallow, narrow way of judging somebody.
2: Oh, it is, and yeah, I know you you know, appreciate that about him, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he would But and Justin's obviously had a bit to do with with him recently with the team. And, yeah, he's all about, you know, legacies and and what players have done and what they're going to do and what they're following on from before. So, yeah, they, they build that up. And, you know, obviously with a great rivalry of the Chiefs, you know, that's all these teams, New Zealand teams, have a, you know, mac, macro-level you know, it's not just the Crusaders and the Blues, you know, Mm. Chiefs, there is quite a bit of, you know, a bit of water under the bridge, and that always comes out in the game, so... Yeah, no, he'll be completely dialed in. Well, yeah.
1: well, well, it's interesting, though, because, you know, you could say, well, OK, take a young player like an a-, a Noah Hotham and say, maybe let's start bringing some depth through. But you've heard me say this. I don't like rest in rotation. I think you need to play the season this season for the fans this season. And so you worry about winning this season. And if that means experience over youthful exuberance to get the job done, so be it. Yes, you want a little bit of focus, yes. You want to be aware of succession, and yes, you want to be aware of, you know, in the back of your mind. Okay, how might this look next year? But surely the focus has got to be on this season. And I think Willie Hines is a great signing.
2: Oh, he is. Yeah, no, he's an intelligent guy, and he, yeah, also comes, you know, from his own playing experience here, you know, coming through the system, and he, yeah, and he, and he's gained a lot overseas. So yeah, no, he, he brings a. Huge amount of you know IP you know or what do they call it you know yeah, intellectual property yeah in, yeah yep. yeah into the team yeah definitely and you know these and the thing is about rest and rotation and versus not playing players all the time they do they do you know guys like Noah Hoffman you know he'll probably he'll come off the bench and you know they 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 use their squad yeah. very well all the coaches um. You know, we are lucky here with the Crusaders that, to do that, but they, but yeah, they they do do that, and and they do it in a way that's clever and not, you know, silly, so you got a B team out against no, a really no, good no, no, but
1: see, this is this is my whole point, Graham, too, around this sort of whole rest and rotation this mandatory dropping of players and telling the All Blacks they need to rest. The smart coaches will go and give a guy like um, Hotham an opportunity against the Rebels, and let's just assume that. Let's just assume Aaron Smith was part of the Crusaders setup, and that would be the opportunity to rest Aaron Smith aware of the season ahead of him. You know, and I don't think they need to be told when to rest players. I think there are opportunities there. And as you said, for the greater good of the squad, the greater good of the culture within the squad, it's important players do get to play. And so by default, players are going to be rested. And it just continues to do my head in. Hey, look, Graham. lovely to have you yep. on the programme, mate. Thank you, uh, as always. Really nice way to kick it off. Coming up to 23 minutes away from 8, telephone number's 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. You can text the programme here on double eight double three. Bruce, good evening. Welcome.
0: Yeah, g'day, mate. Yeah, hey, um, I'm amped for the season, actually. I haven't looked forward to a rugby season like this for for a long time, actually. Um, and watching the Six Nations has sort of whetted my appetite and um, sort of really looking forward to the rugby starting here.
1: So, hey, you know, sorry, sorry. can I just ask you a question then? So you've said you haven't looked forward to a season in a long time, so why is that and why suddenly now you are interested? I'm just curious, I'm always just trying to get a bit of a gauge on where rugby sits with hardcore rugby people and some of the rationale. Oh, I mean, like I always look to the
0: rugby season, but just For some reason, I'm not too sure what it is, I've just been really sort of hanging out for the season to start, and I I don't really know, maybe it's because the cricket season's been a real dud, there sort of really hasn't been much sport um, to, you know, and Mm. I've just been really hanging out for the uh, rugby season to start.
1: I tell you what, just going on the cricket, what a big mistake giving that cricket to Spark. There's just so many people I know just don't have that platform platform who are just not watching it, not even aware of what's going on, and I just wonder uh, how much damage in the long term is actually done to the game at a grassroots level in this country because of the lack of uptake and engagement, because it's just not in front of people anymore.
0: Yeah, no, you could be right. But uh, hey, just um, on the Super Rugby, so there's a couple of things. One, is, um I'm, I've got my hopes up for the Blues. Like, I still think that they're weak in the second row, like at lock. Yep. Um, and they may get found out there, but I think overall their squad is really good. So I'm expecting them to do at least as well as last year. So that's the first point. And secondly, I'm expecting, I think the Australian sides are going to be a lot tougher this year. The Brumbies, you know, the three, the Brumbies, the Reds, and the Waratahs. I'm expecting sort of some quite good things from those guys.
1: Look, I agree, and I still think thats that'll ultimately be the legacy of Dave Rennie. His results at international level might not necessarily reflect that well, but I think his long-lasting legacy to Australian rugby is the depth that he's tried to create in positions. And I think that will start to come through in the super rugby side. So I agree with you completely there. Uh, Look, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not another Crusaders Blues final. You mentioned the locking stocks. I think locks right around the country is a big issue for New Zealand rugby at the moment. Uh, When you look beyond white lock, you um, look beyond retellic, you do sort of start to scratch your head and go... You know, where are the Robin Brooks? Where are the Ian Jones? Where is the depth?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of a lull, but there's some really good young talent coming through. Like, um, I think that Fabian Holland is going to be outstanding, and I think he Hmm. potentially is going to be a great, and I think um, the Crusaders have got a couple of really good young locks coming through as well, so... T- yeah, t- tell I, me, I tell me about,
1: tell me about Fabian Holland. I know very little about him.
0: Well, he's a guy. He actually came over, <laughs> um, ironically enough, from Holland, and um, started playing his footy um, at secondary school down. I think he played for um, Christ College or one of those yeah, colleges, yeah. and anyway he signed. He was an Otago fan. Yeah, yeah, he's he's. A, he's the,
3: yeah. I to watch
0: the MPC over in Holland and that, and then signed up for the Hollanders. Yeah, and he, he's a great player,
1: mate. Mm. Yeah, no, and, and look, and hopefully that is the one area. And I'm not so much, I, I'm not sure that these rookies are going to break into the World Cup squad, but going beyond this year, no, no, I no, hope no, that, I, no, I just, no. I genuinely hope for New Zealand rugby's sake, that we do start to see some real depth in key positions that at the moment or certainly halfway through last year we look like we're fairly weak in, and I think Locke was one of them. I think there were some issues in and around possibly our loose forwards for the first time in history as well and clearly our front row stocks. So, yeah, let's just hope that one of the things that comes out of this Super Rugby season, win or lose, is that we start to see some depth in those key positions starting to come through. Hey, Brian, lovely to have you on the programme, mate. Really appreciate it. Yep, all good. Thanks, mate. It is coming up to 18 minutes away from 8 o'clock. Uh, spare lines, first time tonight. If you do want to get through, 0800 uh, You might want to preview a little bit of this weekend's Super Rugby. It seems strange. I'm um, struggling just with sport as a whole. I uh, live out in Muriwai here in Auckland. We've had a little bit of a um, yeah, it hasn't been a good time uh, for the West Coast community um, um, and the way things have gone on and it's pretty hard to sort of get your head around sport and trying to take it seriously um, when you've had you know, a couple of young firefighters lose their lives out where I live in a community that's absolutely just been rocked uh, by this cyclone uh, which I'd imagine is the case very much through the Hawke's Bay Bay of Plenty region as well but if you do want to have your say 0800 that must be my Q. 13 and a half minutes away from eight uh, football fans in action. Um, trailing Argentina by one goal to nil coming up to half time there hasn't been a great run for our football fans. It's amazing just how easy they get off in the media. It absolutely grates me. You know, we, we, we have a big push for women's sport, we're told that we should show our women cricketers. The same respect we show our men's cricketers that we should talk about our leading women's cricketers the way we talk about Bolton and Southey and, and Hadley and Crow and similar thing with our football Ferns that we should sort of talk about them like we do Winton Rufer and Chris Wood um, but yet when they don't perform they get off lightly. The problem with a lot of these women's sports here in New Zealand at the moment is there's been a bit of a false economy created around them, and I'm not sure that they can live up to the hype. Um, And I'm not sure that they're quite as good as a lot of media people would like us to believe who are very much pushing, um, uh, 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 in my opinion, a feminist agenda. And I think they've just got to bring it back a little bit, slow it down, let these sports evolve and just let it just grow organically. And rather than trying to build a false economy around them or somehow, um, yeah, turn them into celebrities by default, I think is actually part of the problem. You might want to comment on that on 0800 150811. Hi, Mark.
4: Hey, Mark, here you going? Good, thank you. Well, you were saying before you were struggling with sport. I know the feeling. I'll trade you our second-rate cricket selectors and most of our team, aside from Daniel Vittoria and Todd Murphy for the football firms, Richard Hadley and whoever New Zealand have for the female cricket selectors, as in on choosing the New Zealand women's cricket team, because I think they do a whole lot better than the clowns we've got in India at the moment.
1: Well, I'm not sure that you could say that about our women's cricket team at the moment. Yes, they've had wins recently over Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, but they were beaten up badly by Australia, beaten up badly by um, South Africa. But again, there wasn't too much critiquing of them. It was just all about the journey they've been on, the journey. Oh well, Everyone's sick and tired of the damn journey. We just want damn results.
4: Yeah, well, that's not something we're getting in India at the moment. So, you know, I'll take any team with wins over who we've got over there at the moment, aside from probably... Todd Murphy who's a great uh, new spin bowler we've got mainly because he's probably getting coached by a good Kiwi Daniel Batorik
1: Yeah look I mean Australian cricket um, Steve Smith needs to be your captain um, in my opinion Um, I think he plays well when he is captain yes there's an indiscretion but yes the sycophantic Australian cricket commentators over the summer too, just not dissimilar to what I've just said you know they've built a false economy around just how good this team is and they're not one of the great sides and they don't travel well away, they're bully boys at home and mind you, there's a lot of sides like that in international cricket at the moment. I think one of the most interesting sporting events this year and one of the most things that I think everyone will be looking forward to will be the Ashes, because I think England have got a genuine chance of winning it.
4: I'd agree there, but I would have to say, having listened to say 95% of the Indian test match over the weekend on SEN, I think a really good job was done by uh, Jared Waitley and Michael Kaspervich and uh, the cricket writer of the Australian newspaper over here when he was on and a lot of the Indian commentators they worked with. I think the commentary was pretty well balanced uh, for both sides because they were very... um, honest about how they thought the Australians should have been and didn't perform.
1: Well, that's right, but you have to. I mean, you're performing that badly. You can't You can't just cover that up. I mean, still struggle when, you know, it's interesting, though, isn't it, when I, I see some of the things on Australian social media and it's not the absolute demolition of the test. It's celebrating Nathan Lyon's five wickets and that just seems to be very much the Australian way. And that's one of the things I guess frustrates me a little bit in cricket. You can lose, but you can still celebrate victories within the team individually.
4: Very much, because I mean, Todd Murphy, who's our new debut spin bowler, I believe he got seven wickets in his first test and that's nothing to at.
1: No, it does. But, you know, you ended up getting hammered. Uh, there's not, you know, I, I, most New Zealanders love to see the Australian cricket team getting beaten. I, I'm not a big fan of Indian cricket either. I think they're the world bully boys. I think they've got too much um, financial influence. And I do think they get I do think they get the rub of the green at times because of it. I don't like what they've done to cricket through their IPL, but I've got to say, I've got zero sympathy for the Australians. You know, they're not good sports. They don't play the game the way it should be played. They talked okay. themselves up for a long time. They have been the number one side in the world, and now they're starting to come undone. I mean, you cannot continue to pick players like David Warner. You just cannot do it. No. Hey, Mark, lovely to have you on the program. I do appreciate it. Thank you. It is eight minutes away from eight. You are listening to SENZ. Look after um, eight o'clock. I, I do want to open it up to some other talkback topics. I do want to look at the men's cricket team. I look want to look at the women's cricket team. I want to look at the women's football team. Um, happy to bring the All Blacks in. But what is going on with our national sports teams at the moment? Why is it that the teams that cry the loudest, we don't have this, we don't get paid enough, we should get this and we should get that? They've got a players' association. And these players just seem to be able to just, I don't know, just seem to be hand out the whole time, got all the resource compared to a lot of other sports in this country, yet are the ones that seem to be failing the most. Has the urgency no longer there? Is there not enough adversity? Is life too easy? Are our media too soft on our women's sports teams? Have we got unrealistic expectations on our sports teams because of a political agenda within our media trying to fast-track women's sport? Just questions I'm posing. Just an opinion. 800 1508 11 after 8 o'clock. Keen to get your thoughts on it. Big weekend of sport to look forward to. Super rugby kicking off. very hard to pick the first round very hard to read too much into pre-season games with the four-quarter system and the way teams will give the wider squad a run and different combinations they do try and I think also the players when they're playing a friendly know it's a friendly and whether you like it or not subconsciously you're not The level of intensity is not quite there there's not that degree of jeopardy i.e. There's no real weight on losing. And therefore, you might just switch off that 1% that's required. Double eight, double three is the text number. Michael Holdsworth texts in. I always enjoy Michael's texts. Halberg Awards, well done Olympic champion Zoe sadowski Senate won Supreme Award. Her dad had a good night. Yeah, look, uh, they got that right with Zoe sadowski Senate, 100%. I thought the Halberg Awards pretty much spot on. I still think you could have a discussion around coach of the year, but I understand why they did give it to Wayne Smith. Never easy. Always um, subjective. But I wonder whether they do need to have another category there that somehow you can include the likes of the Chris Wards the Stephen Adams who are just on another dimension in regards to their achievement in sports that are so big on a global scale, they're never going to ever, ever be the Messi of football or the Michael Jordan of basketball, but just simply to be playing in that realm is beyond anything that most New Zealand sports people historically have got to. We'll have a look at all of those issues after eight. My, my. It is one minute after eight. We thought we'd just play that because the woke Welsh Rugby Union still will not be playing that at Carter Farms Park with the choir at halftime because apparently it is offensive. I see Ray of Dart, Roald Dahl, one of the great children book writers, has had to parts of his books rewritten. They've got rid of words like fat. And ugly have been removed from the books. Augustus Gloop in Charlie and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory is now described as enormous. In the twits, Mrs. Twit is no longer ugly and beastly, but just beastly. I don't know. Is tall offensive or short offensive? Curly hair? I got curly hair. Hate it. Always hated it. Do we take that out? These senses, I'll keep going back to it. Which moron out there decides what's offensive and what's not offensive? The harsh thing in this world, there are ugly people. There are fat people. There are tall people. There are short people. There are smart people. There are dumb people. Everybody's got strengths. Everybody's got weaknesses. I would imagine that Cristiano Ronaldo probably looks at most men in comparison to himself and says, you're ugly. But what defines ugly? Who knows? Who knows?
3: Do you know what the worst one about the the Roald dahl books is? What? The gender neutral umpa lumpers
1: The gender neutral umpa Because They've always been male. They are male. It is quite clear they are male. What is wrong with them being male?
3: I've got a great story to tell you when we're off here actually. Unbelievable.
1: Oh, what is going wrong with this world? They just took police ten seven. They changed it after this thing was one of the great watches on television, rated highly. Last year decided that no, maybe it was racial profiling too much or perhaps they needed to have a bit more of a balance in terms of what ethnicity the criminals on the show were. So that if you're going to show a European... Committing a crime or wanted, you had to make sure that possibly a Pacific Islander or a Māori or a Chinese person, whatever. But then they went and changed the hosts as well. And guess what? It didn't rate. And now it's not on TV and no one's watching it. Well done. Go woke, go broke. Anyway, my little rant, I just cannot be bothered with it. If you don't want, if you think you're going to be offended, don't read Roald Dahl. Full stop. If you don't like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because you think you're going to be offended, don't watch it, don't read it. But stop moral policing us. Stop telling us how we need to think. But it's true though, isn't it? (laughs) You're 100% right. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's absolutely true. It is just ridiculous where we're going. Do you know the first thing I did
3: when when I saw this story? I actually said to my partner, I said, I bet you I bet you Watto is going to be mad about this.
1: I am mad about it because it's the freedom of speech thing. It's just where does this go? Who determines what's offensive? I get sick and tired of the term, oh, your privilege, your white privilege. I mean, I find that just disgusting. I do. There might be some merit in it, but I find it disgusting because I know it's just a blanket statement. But I'm not saying take it out of the English language or suddenly legislate against it. But I'd imagine that a lot of the people that are pushing for change, that want to moral police us, probably think that's okay, white privilege. They probably think, well, hang on a minute, that's true, though. But that's my point. Where does it all stop? Let's just have censorship. The freedom of speech, the freedom of express yourself. You know, it's like when you you get into a system where you go, well, we've got to have equity amongst the sexes at a board level, and you go, we're well, we going to have 50% men, 50% women. Okay, so do you break that down even further? Okay, so amongst the men, do we have to have, what, representation from European, Chinese, Maori, Pacific? Do we do the same on the women's side? I mean, where does it all stop? Where does it all end? What about just the best people? Provide equal opportunity for everybody and then when it's all said and done and everybody's done their degrees, everybody's got their work experience, everybody's done that, maybe just pick your best people, maybe just pick your best people. Anyway, 080150811. Um just on that too. I the New Zealand women's football team, what do they call themselves? The White Ferns. Football fans, uh, Argentina won, New Zealand nil. Absolutely demolished the other day. Was it against who? Was it against um, Portugal? Portugal. Portugal. Uh, boy, they get off lightly in the media, don't they? I read an article the other day on staff. Rather than absolutely hammering them, and someone summed it up nicely, I think, on social media, I'm sick about hearing about the journey that we're on and all of this other rubbish, this crap that we hear. They're losers, they're losing. They need to get rid of their coach. How come no one's asking for the football ferns coach to be sacked? And have we got the best coach? Do we have to have a football, do we have to have a female coach coaching the women's team? Oh, 150 811 is the number. Just the best people. Jitka Klimkova. A lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric. Oh, we need to build. We need to develop a different skill set. I'm sick of hearing that stuff because what that says is I've got a long-term vision. Therefore, don't judge me in the short term. Don't judge me on my results. Rubbish. This is an international team. We've got a World Cup. You're losing. You're getting thrashed. Stand down. New coach. And it doesn't need to be necessarily a female coach. Just the best coach. Had a guts full of it. 800 is the number. You can text us here on 8833 if you want to have your say. I was thinking today, coming in here, I'm going, look, Mark, you can't just come in every night and talk back and be doom and gloom. You can't just come on the negative. But then I was trying to think around and going, what is positive at the moment? What is out there that is actually a really positive New Zealand sports story? There will be plenty this year, as there were plenty last year. But it's not a good time for our team sports, is it? The Black Caps look like the Black Caps of 10 or 15 years ago. No heart. Pretty predictable in terms of how these games are going to play out. Does anybody expect the Black Caps to be able to turn this around in the second test against England? I don't. Doesn't seem to be a lot of um, enterprise. There doesn't seem to be a lot of vision or risk-taking or evolution or vision with this New Zealand cricket team under Gary Stead, certainly in comparison to what Brendan McCullum's done with England. England are the real deal. This is not a float. This so-called baseball is a thing, and it's working. But we're just conservative, percentage. Kane Williamson has been disappointing, I think, for New Zealand for a long time now. You know, it's Tom Latham starting to get towards the end of his cricketing career. And why does Henry Nichols continue to get a bit of a free ride batting at four? Surely you bat him at five or six if you're going to play him at all. Well done to Tom Blundell. Well done to Devin Conway. Neil Wagner. There are still some very, very good players in this New Zealand cricket team. What changes would you like to see? 0800? 150811 is the number. What changes would you like to see to the women's football team? The football fans. 0800, 150811. Is it time to get rid of Jitka Klimkova? I love this headline in the Herald. Football Fern's issues are fixable despite record defeat against Portugal, says coach Jitka Klimkova. Really? Or maybe the fix is stepping down and moving on. Who's the first person to go when a football team is failing in any major competition in the world? It is the coach. Was she the best for the job or was she the best female coach for the job? And there is a fundamental difference. 800 150 I'm not going to be afraid to go down this path. I'm not going to have people telling me I can't think a certain way. But if we don't challenge our women's sports team, we're doing them a disservice. If we don't address the elephant in the room, we're doing them a disservice. Can we say elephant in the room these days? Is there connotations around elephants? Can we use that anymore? Is that elephant in the room? Are elephants endangered? Is that offensive?
3: Oh, You might have to change it to another animal, but we really don't know. I'll let it slide.
1: The sparrow in the room? There's lots of sparrows. Do sparrows offend anybody?
3: They might might insult the smaller community, but...
1: You're not allowed to use the word smaller, Ben?
3: Yeah, um, I can't say anything. Then, Be can very
1: I? careful. Well, that's exactly my point. Where does it all stop, Ben? Where does it all stop? I just cannot believe that. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, 13 minutes away, uh, 13 minutes after 8. 0800 is the number. It is 17 minutes after 8. The lines are open, trying to just conjure up a bit of talk back. Uh, what is it with our major sports teams at the moment? Why are they continuing to fail? Yet they're the ones that cry the loudest about how tough life is and why they should be all getting paid and why they've got no time to work because training is so hard. Where is the accountability? It's all very well putting your hand out, but where is the accountability? Where is the jeopardy? What are the consequences here? And do you believe that our women's team get critiqued as heavily as the men's teams do? O eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. The men's cricket team, what changes do we make to this New Zealand side of Latham, Conway, Williamson, Nichols, Wagner, Mitchell, Blundell, Bracewell, Cougarline, Southey and Tickner? been a lot of discussion about bringing in Trent Bolt that desperate times rely on desperate measures I'm in two minds on this Trent Bolt has said look I want to be a gun for hire I want to start making some money and cricket allows me to do that day with allows me to do that these days with the various T20 leagues around the world But in saying that, he has said that playing for New Zealand is not as important now. And I think that if you're going to play for New Zealand, it should be everything. And I only want players that want to give it everything. And so I don't have a problem with New Zealand cricket not picking him. Love them to be there. But he clearly is not 100% committed on being there. The bigger issue is, what have we done in terms of succession plan beyond Bolt and Southie Neil Wagner? Who's the next great batsman coming through to replace Kane Williamson? You'd imagine he's only got one or two years left at the top level. Who's that next opener to come and replace Tom Latham? Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight double one is Daryl Mitchell, a one series wonder, three hundred three tests in England. Does he need to move lower down the order, or are you happy with him at six? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. I'm just trying to, outside of Michael Bracewall, where is the New Zealand spinner? Where is that great spinner? Where is that Nathan Lyon? Jack Leach. Why is it that we're still reluctant to develop a world-class spinner, put them in a test week in, week out, no matter what the conditions are. Is Braceball the best we've got? 0800 150811 is the number. On the other side of it, the Australian cricket team getting absolutely decimated in the second test against the Indians. Hard to have a lot of sympathy for the Australians, the way they've carried on for decades, the bully boys. India winning by six wickets in that second test. Good start from Australia, 263. Bowling India out for 262. But then only to get bowled out for 113. Jadija Ashwin. Two spinners. So effective. Surely it's time for David Warner to go. To give the captaincy to Stephen Smith. 800 You can text us here on double eight double three. Hey, I, I said at the top of the hour too that there's not much to celebrate. My bad. Breakers, well done to them getting through to the final against Sydney. Really, really well done to them. It's been a tough few years for the Breakers through COVID. I went to a game couple of weeks ago against Melbourne I've got to say it's the best entertainment package in sport in this country they do it incredibly well and amazing to see how many young kids are watching the game and how engaging that wider sporting franchise are in tune with that demand with that need and looking after the family If you get a chance, go to a breakers game. Really, really well done to them. Brilliant. A lot of sports franchise could learn from them. I know that maybe basketball has, it's a natural amphitheater. It's um, a model which is conducive to entertaining people. But the fact is, they understand their brand. They understand who their market is, and they cater to it. 0800-150811. Just um, had a text come from Darren. He says, "Hey Watto, can't call. Sorry, listening from Napier. I think we don't have the players. Who do we put on Will Young? Amazing Patel. Recall Doug Bracewell. And that might be the issue, Darren. You're right." Uh, it, it's a good point you make. It's all very well calling for players to be dropped. But the question is, who do you bring in? And I guess that's the question. Where is that next Kane Williamson? Where are the succession plans behind Bolton Southey? And do we allow players to play too long in our plunkett shield sides, in our domestic cricket? Have we got that balance right between youthful exuberance and experience? And should our domestic cricket simply be a trial for the Black Caps. And if after six or seven seasons of playing first-class cricket, if you haven't cracked it, that's your time. You're up. Move over. Next young guy comes through. There is a danger in that, though, because there are some players, and I think we are seeing it with Conway. I think we saw it with Andrew Jones, the former New Zealand Great, who didn't really come into their own until much later in their careers. 800 1508 Just thoughts do go out to the people of Hawke's Bay, particularly. Um, look, I I I, I live at Muraway, which has been the hardest-hit suburb in Auckland. I happen to live on a street, which is the hardest-hit street in Auckland. We have 126 houses on Domain Crescent, and we've got 126 red stickers. So I appreciate you taking the time and texting in Darren because I can't imagine things are particularly easy down there and if it's not having an immediate impact on you, I'd imagine you know people where this storm has had an immediate impact on. 26 minutes after 8, when we come back, we'll hear from Tim Southey and we'll also hear from Ben Stokes, the England captain. It is 29 minutes away from 9 o'clock. You are listening to SENZ. We've got the oki coming up with Ben Francis between 9 and 10, talking all things darts. What can we look forward to on that show, Ben? An hour of me, pretty much. Lots to talk about, though. And we've certainly encouraged calls. Have you got any just questions regarding darts, the technical side We'd of it? We'd love
3: some calls, Watto.
1: Yeah, no, love some calls. So feel free to talk a little bit of darts. You've probably got some questions out there and you're thinking, oh, yeah, but if I ring up and ask that... Guy's just going to think I'm stupid. Trust me, there's everybody out there thinking the same question and they all want the answer to it. So feel free, mate, and that's what it's all about. It's about a, a way where you can ask questions about different sports or certainly challenge us. Uh, look, if you do want to phone through, 800 150 is the number. Look, what we're going to do now is we're going to bring you some audio here of um, Ben Stokes, the England captain, after basically a massacre of the New Zealand cricket side. Get his thoughts on the test, and then we'll also hear from Tim Southey. So without further ado, the New Zealand-born England captain, Ben Stokes.
5: When you come into the first game of a series of, you know, quite a long time off, it's... Um, I feel as it's, it was important for me just to keep getting the message across again and just reminding people what, you know, is... The, I feel the most important thing within the group, which is the process over anything else at the moment. Um, you know, if we keep playing um, the way in which we're playing and we're executing... You know the things that we want to do well, then we're going to be giving ourselves an opportunity to win, and uh, it's just another sign of um, us being able to do that, and um, just always looking to put oppositions under pressure. So, um, you know, although it probably does sound silly to say that, the results are on at the forefront of our mind, and we've done really well. It's, the more pleasing thing for me is that we've gone out there and we've been brave enough to to execute everything that we want to do with the bat and with the ball this week. I think I I don't really know if I had. I don't think I really had any expectations. To be honest, it was just obviously something that when I took over, I just thought it would be a good opportunity for for a well, slightly bigger change, and as to the way that uh, the team thinks about going out and playing tests. but yeah, in terms of being able to have the results in which we have against you know some very high quality oppositions, I guess you could say. But um, sort of expectations and, and everything like that just keep blowing out the water by the performances that not only the team are putting in, but also certain individuals keep put in, have put in over the last you know ten to eleven months. Are you aware of the captaincy records that you set, quickest in history to ten victories? Uh, I've really said it before.
6: Yeah.
5: Um, well, I think as you know, much as it is me captaining the side, you know, the, the team have obviously got to take a lot of credit for that, I think more than myself, because um, you know, I can sort of only go out there and say, can we try this, and then they say yes, but they've also got to execute everything, especially with the ball, and then you know, just being brave enough to go out there and do it at the bat. Um, you know, a great example of that was the way that Zach and Ben Duckett went out and played in that very tricky period under the lights. Um, to be, what were we, 70, 72 for two? Um, and, you know, comparing that to New Zealand in the same situation, I think we're 30 for three. Um, so, yeah, you know, not only a, have I got an unbelievable bowling attack to be able to captain, but I've also got a seriously skilled and very brave um, batting line-up to, to look at and um, just to go and watch them play and express themselves in the manner that they do is, you know, they've got to take a lot of credit for for the sort of record that I've had so far as a captain. And just to
0: check was it the plan for the moment that you put in to declare after about 60 or less?
5: Um before we I think before we bowled a ball there was you've always got to look at these day night games as to taking you know giving yourself the best opportunity to bowl under the lights of the new ball and obviously with us the, the rate in which we try and go out and score we always thought that if our batting lineup was able to do that and get some runs on the board. Then we would give ourselves an opportunity to do that. It's 320 in, in the first innings is, is sort of a good score. Well, it is a good score anywhere in the world. And although we were nine down and you know sort of didn't make a difference if we declared or not, we were still thinking about that if we were six or seven down. And it looked like Robbo, Jimmy, and Brodie would to have to be out there in the bat. It made more sense to let them have the ball in the hand than a bat in the hand. So, yeah. Last one for the, uh, th- Do you remember missing out on selection for England under 15s? Was it because at the time you were too aggressive? Basically, the question being, have you always actually wanted to play this way? Maybe a bit ahead of your time? I don't know, you'd have to ask whoever picked that team.
1: Do you remember missing out? I do, yeah. Surprised at the
5: time? Err. Can't remember. I was disappointed. Yeah.
4: Ali, and then we'll go Dolly and Chris
5: i um, sorry if you asked, asked this already. Um, Stuart Broad and um, James Anderson, when they were left out of the Caribbean, I suppose it could have been easier as a new captain coming in to say, well, that decision was made for me. We'll plough on ahead, thank them for their time, and what have you. To see them still going now is obviously so chuffed with that kind of uh, you know, investment being repaid and what those two. Um, yeah, well, I think that... <laughs> Having James Anderson and Stuart Broad on your side, as well, and also as well Ollie Robinson, is, um, makes does make captaincy a lot easier because you just throw them the ball and away they go, they probably get your wicket. Um, but not only I thought that they were brilliant this whole game with the ball, but I said last night in the dressing rooms that we've got a 40-year-old and a 36-year-old, you know, setting the standard of what we're about in the field in terms of energy. You know, those guys, they'll bowl all day for you, but you see them run around the field. You know, Broadie last night that 10-over spell, and every time that. A ball got hit past him. He was sprinting after it to the field, um, all the way to the boundary. And you know, Jimmy's always done that. And then you look at what they do when they've got the ball in their hand, and how many games that they've got, they have won for England and probably will do going forward. It's um, they're setting a great example not only for us in the dressing room, but I think for just anyone who wants to look at having a long career in professional sport. Um, you know, seeing them run in with um, you know three lines on their chest is is great. And I don't really want to think it too far ahead as to when they might um, call time on, on their careers because the way they're going at the moment you sort of don't want to think about that, you just want to keep thinking about them taking wickets and seeing sure broad ball spells like they did last night
1: So there you go, Ben Stokes comes across well isn't he? Part of a very good England side and a very good England team that I think and hope will beat Australia in the ashes this year in England. I don't often say that about English sport, I do like their English football and I've got to say though I detest the Australian cricket team more than I detest the English cricket team should be a fascinating series. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from a somber or a philosophical Tim Southey. I'll let you decide that next here on SENZ. 17 and a half minutes away from nine o'clock. Let's now bring you audio from New Zealand cricket captain Tim Southey after they were beaten up pretty badly in that first test by England in Mount Maunganui. England ending up winning this game by 267 runs. So how concerned should how concerned should we be or was Tim Southey perhaps just a little bit more philosophical
6: you go back to uh, traditional test cricket with a red ball um, there's a number of things with, with day night test cricket that you take into and like I said I think the England um, strategically played it played it pretty well um, so I think as a group you, you reassess and you move forward um, to, a, to a traditional test match at a, at a ground that, um, that we enjoy playing at and the guys are, are looking forward to getting back to when
4: you're bowling
6: Oh I think it's I think it's very exciting obviously the way that they've they've played over the, the last last um however long it's been. Um and as a bowling side we you're excited about coming up against it because it presents opportunities as well. Um that they, there's only one way they're gonna play and, and one way they know how to play. So as a bowling group we we know we've probably gotta be be better, um, but in the nature of the way they play, that it presents opportunities if we do get it right. So um, yeah, as a as a bowling group, you feel in the game the whole time. Um, it, it may not feel like it at times, but with uh, with the nature that they are playing, that um, if we if we hang tough and and uh, and are a little bit more disciplined, then uh, then things can go go our way. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's been great for, for test cricket, the way and the style they've played. Um, it's uh, Like I say, as a bowling unit, you're excited about the challenge of playing against them at the moment, um, and you know you're going to have to be on top of your game. Otherwise, they they the nature of the way they do play, they can get away on you quickly.
3: What are you kind of looking for from your top order, Tim, to at the base? And obviously, they won't have to find the lights for so the house, but um, there's been a bit of a lack of consistency in previous tests as well. So what can, can they... Uh, what are you
6: looking for for improvements from them? Um, it's not long ago. Um, Kang got a double hundred and um, Devon got a hundred, so um, I think they had the worst of the conditions um, both times, having to go out under lights. But you look at our top top three; they're three of the best players um, we've had. So, um, as a group, we know um, and we, we we trust that they'll, they'll come right. Like I say, you go back to, to Wellington; we're more traditional test match. Um, they had, uh, yeah, our, our top order had the worst of the conditions. Um, they know that they would have loved to have found a way to get through it, and, um, and if they had of, then uh, things could have been slightly different. But that's that's cricket. Um, the effort's always there, and and uh, and the trust and and uh, what we're trying to do as a team.
3: And on a different note, what did you make of your uh, debutants and their performance throughout the
6: test? Yeah, it's, it's never easy coming in, and um, for those guys, they've they've played a, a fair chunk of domestic cricket, and um, and yeah, they, they they show glimpses and and, uh, and show bits at times where, um, yeah, they were, they were very impressive um, and they'll, they'll be better for having had a taste of, of test cricket. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was, I was pleased with the way that they went. Um, obviously, even the way that, that ticks held in there and got Tommy through to 100, um, Coogie contribution with the bat, uh, 50-odd run partnership with, uh, with Tommy in that first innings. It got, um, got us close to their score as well. So there's plenty of, plenty of good to take out of it. Um, and, um, yeah, if you look at the result, you can uh, you can beat yourself up, but there's also a, f- a couple of good things that we can we can take forward as well. So, now
4: that you've had a, a real close look at exactly how they play in every innings, obviously in that series over in England last year they attacked chasing puzzles, but obviously that's how they want to the back in every innings so now. Technically, are you reassessing a little things? How can you hold from this test looking ahead to the And obviously, like Neil was short in attacking and wanting to get mistakes out of them, but also crossed a lot runs as well.
6: Yeah, I think um, well, there was no secrets as to the way that they were going to play. Um, yeah, I think the the Neil ones are an interesting one. There was every sort of over. There was a half chance or a, or something that just gave you a little bit of, a um, little bit of hope that there was a uh, wicket wasn't far away. And um, yeah, another day it could have been slightly different. But um, but yeah, there's no secrets in the way that they they were going to play. Um, we know they kind of come out come out pretty hot, and, and especially like I say, in a pink ball test, they strategically chose their moments um moments brilliantly. So um yeah, we again different beasts, different challenge in a in a day test match at the basin. So um yeah, it's uh yeah, the guys like I say, the couple of guys on debut will um will learn from that and, and um and the guys myself and Wags as well will um we'll all all learn from, from the experience out there. Last couple of minutes like a bit
4: obviously about how positive it is in the dressing rooms and how heavy they are obviously that comes with ten wins in eleven games. I mean this world. Is, it, is it a room now is it something that needs to, how, how is the atmosphere
6: inside the camp? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's obviously not ideal when you lose, Yeah, um, it's it's yeah, but I think as a side and, and, and as, as New Zealanders we tend not to ride the emotions too too much. Um, went in that period when we were doing well. Um, the changing room was a great place to be in, and um, yeah, but it wasn't. It, you wouldn't have walked in and, and noticed too much too much different. But um, but yeah, it's same same now. When results haven't gone our way, we're, we're um, still enjoying ourselves, enjoying each other's company, and, and trusting each other, and and, um, and what we're trying to do. So um, I think that's yeah, the, the test side's changed a little bit over the last last couple of years. Um, but that's, that's sport. People come and people go, and it's about now. It's our our chance to go out and um, and I guess as a side, try and try and do do some great things as well.
1: There you go, Tim Southey, his thoughts on that test. So optimistic heading into the next test. I mean, the only point that I think you can take out of that, there is a fundamental difference between pink ball cricket and red ball cricket. I think there is that things just happen differently. But do you honestly still believe this New Zealand team is good enough to beat England in the second test? 800 love to get your thoughts. Updating the women's football for you, Argentina leading New Zealand by two goals to nil. You know what what we're going to hear? It was an improved performance. It was a better performance. I think you could see the work we'd done in between games. I think we saw the team respond the way we wanted them to respond. We lost, but we'll still find some positives in it. It'll still be a positive journey. Over it. Not good enough. Currency at this level close to a World Cup is winning and losing. It is that simple. Don't forget, you can text us here on double eight double three. Hey, just also seeing that Cummins, the Australian cricket captain, is heading home for what they classify as family reasons. Pat Cummins has been... Heavily criticised by former players with the way he's captained this side, his own attitude and his own playing ability. He's a better player when he's not captain. I still don't know how you can captain a side being a fast bowler. Ben Stokes clearly seems to be doing it well. We've got Tim Southie now in that role. But maybe more because they're the obvious candidates where I'm not sure within the Australian cricket team necessarily he is the obvious candidate. I still think Steve Smith should be their captain. If you're going to allow him to play test cricket off the back of the indiscretions of Sandpaper Gate, then you allow him to be captain. Anyway, you might want to have your say on things. I also just want to uh, just congratulate my mob, Liverpool Football Club, having a win over Newcastle United by two goals to nil. Not a game changer in terms of their season, but hopefully it gives them that confidence heading into Champions League where they'll take on the might of Real Madrid. What scares the hell out of me, though, is Manchester United getting up actually winning this Premier League. Arsenal clearly don't necessarily want it. Manchester City haven't shown they really want it. Meanwhile, in the background, just trucking away is Manchester United. Boy, how many people would have picked that at the start of the season? Cristiano Ronaldo goes. Eric Ten Hag comes in. Gets the culture, gets the balance of the side right and team starts to fulfil its potential. Highlighting the importance of a good manager. Fingers crossed it's not united. Uh, ben, how are we?
3: Yeah, we're all right. Watto, getting there.
1: That's all i got to say. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I don't have a house. I've got an asset sitting out on a West Coast beach that I can't access, that I've got a, a a red sticker on with the entire hills behind me threatening to come down and take out our entire road.
3: The harder, I guess the hardest thing about that is all the uncertainty.
1: Oh, it is. I can't even, I don't even have any real, I have about 10 minutes to go in. I was given the green light on Thursday night. Oh, your house should be okay. And then it all changed on Friday with the geotech and everything moving out there. So, yeah. Hmm. But it is what it is. You know, I could say there are people out there doing it a lot tougher and you've got to try and be philosophical. And, yeah, you know, it's, um being a pretty tough on a small community out on the West Coast with two firefighters losing their lives just trying to do what they do. And so you've got to just sometimes put things in context and you look at that whole fruit industry and the number of lives that have been lost in the Hawke's Bay and Bay of Plenty regions. And, yeah, the whole thing's just an absolute disaster.
3: When you look at... Like the, these volunteer firemen and all the other volunteers helping these other people out, I'm sure you would probably have similar sen, uh, sentiments, but you know the word I mean uh, but you feel like these guys should be the ones that are getting honored with you know queen's honors, king's honors, I should say, New Year's honors over probably people like athletes. Well, it's but, funny
1: the ones that always get honored are the ones that have always got everything anyway, and that's the irony in it all. Yeah look the volunteer fire service where I live it's, you hear the sirens all the time and a lot of the time um, the many members of the public that make that up called out fairly mundane things not a lot of excitement and then you have a situation like you had with this rain and trying to just help people and yeah and suddenly all hell breaks loose and it becomes a very serious situation. Um, the only reason you know and it just makes you sort of feel a little inadequate yourself you think oh you know boy what do i actually put in and i guess part of the reason i've never joined the volunteer fire department at where i live is because of the nature of my work i just don't want to be unreliable and that's part of it um but yeah yeah no it's um
3: the, the incredible thing i find about it so i used to live in dargaville and i used to spend quite a bit of time with the, the volunteer fire brigade and kind of the things that they do you know it's about you know giving out their time as well they still go through the same training te- you know, still training. I went out with quite a few of them Uh, just doing like the simple you know you work in teams of two roll out the hose mm. one of them has got to get the fire mm. hydrant off and get it all going you've got to do it in certain times and you know you just have such respect when you're actually in and amongst it
1: yeah, yeah. oh look you've got, you you got to do some serious training they want you to go down to Rotorua for two weeks at points if you volunteer and go through the proper training down there as well and um, yeah, look, it's a, it's it's never going to be quite the same out where I live. There's going to be a lot of areas of Mudawai Mur- which are not going to be accessible in the long term, I would have thought. Um, probably more well known to a lot of people outside of Auckland for its golf course, um, but a small community, only 35 minutes outside of the city, um, that are doing it tough like a lot of small communities around the country. So, um, yeah, um, thoughts to go out to people around New Zealand. I, I, I'm a guy who's pretty much that she'll be right attitude, it won't happen to me, and then... Well, it did happen to us. happened to live in one street. I was driving through the city today. I was out at Long Bay. I saw all the streets on the North Shore, thousands of streets. And I think I happened to live in the one street that is arguably the worst street in the entire country in terms of red stickers. Every single house is red-stickered because of either existing damage, the house being completely obliterated, or the absolute fear that the entire mountain is going to come down. It's quite bizarre. It really is a bit surreal. Anyway, you are going to listen to the Dulcet Tones of Ben after nine o'clock. He's gonna talk all things darts. He's looking forward to having your company. Phone him, be part of the show, O eight hundred one five O eight double one. Text him double eight double three.